Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Podcast. This podcast is a recording of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. But before you listen further, you may want to go to teachings.jim314.com and download the student and or teacher handouts so you can follow along visually and take some notes. Thanks for listening, come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everyone. Good. Hey, how about that? How we doing? Just fake it till you make it, right? We were just talking about that a minute ago. Uh, I'll be your Sunday school teacher for the day. And uh, we're going to, of course, we're going to be talking about uh, Romans 8, 31 to 39. This is the very end of... Uh, this first major section of the book of Romans. Um, and of course, you know, this has been our, our pattern of study for this book. And I, I think it's a fabulous way of going at it where we're, we're reading the text and I'm not the greatest public reader. I'll just, you know, throw it out there and all. But I, it really um, has meant a lot to me because I've been practicing. Uh, and so it, it really, um, it's been amazing. Just a, a reading out loud of God's Word has been really, really meaningful uh, to me, especially over the last couple of weeks. Um, but I want to start out up here at point zero. Where are we actually at in the book of Romans? So here is the condensed outline from the ESV. Essentially, we're going to be able to uh, check this box off right here. Um, the Righteous Freedom, uh, sections 5 through 8. So we're reading the very last part of chapter 8. So Paul is coming to one of his largest conclusions and uh, to the largest section of the book of Romans. So this is really kind of, a, kind of this pivotal moment in, in the book as he's, uh, as he's reading as he's writing it and so forth. So, um, looking at this, we have, this is an outline, kind of more of a visual, because I'm a visual learner, so all of you visual learners, okay, you're going to be all right today. Um, so, you got the introduction, and that, that, that it's Paul's gospel, he's writing the letter, uh, here's the, the theme, he kind of lays it out right at the very beginning of it, and then there's this big section right here where it's basically 118 to 839. So it is, it is a, a full eight chapters uh, of Romans. Now, Romans is like the book of books for the New Testament, all right? So it is the quintessential outline of basic Christian theology for all eternity, okay? So it's... It, to me, this is, this is like, when, when Jim announced that this is the book that we're going to be studying for the next two years or so, I'm like, it's like oh, this is going to be good, all right? What are the, some, some of the things that the book of Romans has impacted? Well, it launched the entirety of the Protestant Reformation, uh, Martin Luther's impact and Martin Luther's response to his reading of the, uh, the book of Romans, uh, not just in Latin, but in several other languages as well. 
but in, in, in moving it to a common language. And, and Romans had that impact. So right now you can say whether you're Presbyterian or Methodist or Baptist or Southern Baptist or Independent Baptist or any other kind of Baptist, all of it came out of the Protestant Reformation that came from Martin Luther's response to the reading of this one book of the Bible. Okay? So it has a tremendous impact. And like this, this is, we're, we're coming up to this conclusion that, that, that Paul has, you know, uh, about hope. And so that's where we are. And then we're going to be launching into how the, how the gospel defines the people of God and how, you know, how, what our response in, is to it. But this section, or this um, section, eight verses, is Paul's conclusion to the, the entirety of basic salvation theology. Okay? So... Um, no pressure here <laughs> for me to cover this, right? But it, it, it's, it's like this is, this, you know, if, if we're going to get anything out of this, this is, this is, this is a time to, to pay attention and to see what God has to say for us here because this is it. This is what this is bringing together. How many people here would classify themselves as a summarizer? That's totally me, Okay. I have to have like this framework in my head. Like I, 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 I visually, I'm, you know, I'm a visual learner. I visually see a shelf unit, like a framework in place before I can put all the pieces on it. I have to start here before I can really understand or, or comprehend or pull together you know, something. And it, once, I, once I have the framework, I'm good. I, I can work within it. I can, I can, you know, talk through it. I can think through it and so forth. But until I have this framework, I, I'm, I'm a little bit lost. Okay? So if this, is, this, is, this right here is where we are today. And so instead of reading chapters 5 through 8, which I wouldn't want to put you guys through that, I'm going to read chapter 8, because, and we're going to come back to it again kind of at the end, all right? So, and the reason for that is because Paul's leading up throughout this whole chapter to the, to the end of it, to his point, okay? So, pull out your, uh, your copy of the ESV. I'm going to start in verse 1 of chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. Who walk, in according, uh, uh, walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, 
Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for, you, uh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, the spirit, uh, but, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all are led by the Spirit of God, are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage of the corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. We have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as, uh, as we wait eagerly for the, adoptions as, uh, the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For, the, uh, for in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself, himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who uh, searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes uh, for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are uh, called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed in the image of, of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now today's text. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. Moreover than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us all? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other, uh, anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That last section is Paul's conclusion. And, and if you look at this section kind of verse by verse, and based on the first eight chapters of the book of Romans, there's like, in my mind, there's nothing literary, nothing, you know, jumps out, nothing is this aha, smack me across the face, you know, this, you know, I've been leading up to this. It's exactly what you thought it ought to be. God wins. And we're on the winning team. And regardless of who wants to try to bring some sort of condemnation, condemnation towards us, they lose. God is the one who was the one who condemned us because of our own sinful nature that we got through Adam. Okay? And God is the one who provided the answer. So this happens in our household at times. Okay? Uh, I make a rule, and they break it, and I can choose to forgive them for that rule breaking. I have the, I have the option to do that. I can do that in my office. You know, uh, I may have an employee that asks for a day off. Absolutely, I can say it's my, it's my choice. It's my, I'm in charge of that section. And as far as, you know, God's redemption for our souls. He's the one who made all the rules. He's the one that, that, that condemned us. And he's the one that forgave us. So it doesn't matter all these other things that might come toward us that would make a condemnation statement or, or try to condemn us in some way or form or fashion. It's, it's, it, it doesn't matter. Because God was the one who set the rules. He's the one who made the rules. He's the one who followed the rules. And he's the one who provided the redemption. So in Paul's conclusion, we're going to break it up into just three sections here. And this is the thing, you know, as I'm looking through this, I'm like, all right, Paul, what are you going to say to us here? You know, this is, this is, this is it. Well, it's pretty much that one thing. God wins. But he puts it to us in, in, a, in, a, in kind of a couple of different ways. And so that's what I wanted to look at. Okay? So basically, looking at verses 31 to, 39, uh, 31 to 34, Paul makes this really strong statement that there's security in being the believer. And there's a, a security in having our faith in Christ and his, his redemptive work. Okay? So right in verse 31... What then shall we say to these things? Paul's asking the question. This is normal literary technique that we've seen throughout all of, Paul, all of Romans. Okay, If God is for us, who can be against us? That's it. There's, you know, I, w I, wish, I wish I could say something or just I, come up with this really cool example of, you know, there's these things where you put a penny in your, your, your hand and you try to get someone to come up and take it out. Uh, Amy's husband's not here because I wouldn't want to try it with him. But, 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 but 
you're in God's palm. Just like I can hold a penny and no one else in this room probably could get that out of there, right? I, that, that's the ultimate mic drop. I mean, if God is for us, who can be against us? Done deal. But we don't live that way every day, do we? Right? I know some days I'm, I'm not the sanctified believer that stands before you today. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 we, the job is not the fact that it's, that it's true. The, the deal is that we need to live, this, live out this way. And here's, here's, here's really kind of the problem. You go to the next thing. He, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Everything that we need. Not, didn't say it's not necessarily everything we want. But everything that we need is there. And we, but we don't necessarily. I don't know about y'all, but when you get those big bills in the in in, in the mail or or what have you, do you have a certain amount of anxiety about those things? Right? You know, we're planning a wedding in our household right now. There's lots of anxiety. <laughs> All right. All right. Part of it is because these expectations are set in one place or another, and so forth. And we do that to ourselves. You know. Uh, here's, here's the perspective uh, on this, okay? You're driving down the road, your car con- conks out, you pull it off to the side of the road, now you gotta get your car fixed. Jim, how's that feel? <laughs> <laughs> you feel like, oh, now, now I gotta get the car fixed. You know, on top of everything else I got going this week, I got I to gotta get the car fixed. And, you get, and there's this anxiety. And there, there's times where all of us have this, this feeling. But you know what the person in India is saying? What? You've got a car? What do you mean you have a car? Only the really rich people in my country have a car. Everybody else has a bicycle. Right? Or you're worried about what kind of car you're going to get. Or, or am I, really, I going to be able to get that SUV I've been really wanting? You know? Perspective on that. Do you really need that, you know, super deluxe Cadillac, whatever, you know, when, when, a, when, a, when a black Ford truck works? <laughs> right? And that's a, I appreciate that about, about Jim, you know? And it's perspective, but we don't, and we put these things on ourselves, and they're the flesh getting into where the spirit needs to be. You see what I'm saying? So Paul's conclusion, this whole thing is the right thing, of course, which is the whole deal about our relationship with Christ is that God wins. We're following what is righteous. We're doing what is right. We have our faith placed in the right place. Who shall bring charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who raised? Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us all. So, 
God, who was the only source of condemnation, is the one who gave us the only source of redemption. And not only did that redemption pay the price so that we can be in the presence of God for, for eternity and right with God again, not only is that the case, but then he, he pays the price, dies, raises from the dead, and now is a constant bug in God's ear about the fact that he's redeemed us for all eternity. I can't ever come up with a way that I should be complaining about anything. Ever. Now, I will this week. <laughs> you know, because that's where we live. But the more we live in the Spirit, and the more it controls our life, and the more it's part of our everyday conversation, the more it is the way that we live. Now, some of you that have the gift of prayer, I think I've said this before, I don't got it. Except, I pray while I'm moving. My, my prayer altar looks like the steering wheel of a Ford Expedition. All right? It's well-worn. All right? 243,000 miles as of yesterday. 44,000. So, uh, but that's where I'm at. You know, that's the way I... I I walk and talk with God all day long. Um, I have nervous feet. I just can't sit still. So that's, that's, my, that's been my answer, okay? I wish I could just, you know, sit down and, you know, pray like I see monks doing and that type of thing. You need to do what works for you because the way you walk in the Spirit is the way God created you. And God created all of us uniquely, and that's the way he wants us to. So we have to figure out how, how to make this look for us, right? Uh, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And that's the next section here. When we get into 35, uh, ver, uh, starting into verse 35. Okay. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he gives us a list. Okay. I love lists in scripture. Something you can put in a spreadsheet, right? Okay. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. All right. So we're completely redeemed. God wins. No one can condemn us. But in verse 35, what does it say? <laughs> Life sucks. I'm sorry to say it that way, but it just does. Why? It's just, it's just life. It's what? Sin. Sin. We're in a fallen world, right? We just read in the first part of Romans 8, creation itself is groaning. We are groaning. The weight of sin and the weight of, of, of evil is, 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 is pervasive. It's imminent. It's on us. It's part of our everyday lives. It sounds like this, that, that flesh spirit thing we were just talking about. So I want to propose to you something. 
that the American Christian church in many of its actions, not necessarily its doctrinal statements, in its actions, has got it slightly wrong. And what I mean by that is that all too often we hear the do good, get good, do bad, get bad theology. And if you do everything right, everything's good. You have that car. Your life is, and your kids don't make mistakes. Mine never did. Hi, guys. So, <laughs> uh, and, and, and there's this, you know, it's even in all of our movies where you've got a good angel, bad angel. Right? That's the way it's pitched. It's in all of our movies. It's in, it, 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 and it's not in our doctrinal statements, but it's in the way that people are treated. Because if you're having a really difficult time, if you and your spouse are struggling, if your kids make a mistake, if something like that happens, they're like, <sighs> we step away from them. It's like, now, we don't make it that obvious. We just kind of go like this. Right? And it's not... In what we say, it's most it's many times not in lip service, but it's the way we act. We we shoot our own wounded, All right? Just because for a moment they weren't living in the spirit, they were living in the flesh, or just bad stuff happens. Because listen, Paul gives us a list here. He gives us shall tribulation. Shall distress or persecution for doing what's right. You know, we don't know anything about persecution in this in this country. We think we do. We think that because this bill didn't go through Congress, I'm like, well, of course not. It's not a it's not a liturgical body. It's not they're not, you know, they're not trying to make moral choices. That's not the way they do, you know. You know, the Chinese church, you know, they, they could never meet like this, okay? That's a, that's, a, that's a perspective, right? Okay? Or famine and nakedness or danger or sword, all these things. It, bad stuff just happens. We're, we're in this world, and, 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 and this world stinks, right? And it's groaning under the weight of sin, so it's not how, if you can get your life straight and do all these good things that you get all these good things, right? We are living in, for all intents and purposes, accessible. We're living in a bad place, but we need to have a good attitude. And we need to keep our mind focused on the spirit. That's where the battle is. It's in your head. And... I hate to, you know, uh, th this sounds like such a cop-out, and it's, it's just not. But I found that every day, say this is the floor, okay? Every day, if my expectations for, for things are like right there, that's about right. Because whenever somebody does something in the Spirit, I get excited about it. Right? 
I ex- should expect this world to be like that. To be... I expect people to... Now, believers I have a higher expectation for. But just in general. And why? Because that's where we live. Bad stuff happens. Paul was giving them a list. Shall these things separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, all those things. Is that going to separate us from, uh, from, uh, from the love of Christ? The answer is no. It's not. But that's where we live. And so I want to try to help make this shift from where we say, all right, if I do all these good things, I'm going to get these good things. And that's shift it to, look, stuff happens. I'm staying focused on Christ. I'm staying focused on the fact that God wins. I'm staying focused on what Paul says, what, shall, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, living that way every day is difficult, okay? Some people would say it's impossible, but it's just difficult to say, say that. That's why y'all are in, you're in these seats this morning. That's the purpose of the existence of the church. It's for worship, to remind us of who's in charge instruction to continually keep these things going in our head. It's for fellowship because life stinks, right? So we get together and we support each other and we exercise that spirit because if we're not together as a body, we don't get the opportunity to take care of so-and-so's needs and take care of such-and-such for so-and-so when, when we have the ability or the skill set to do those things. That's what it's for. And, the, and if you didn't know, I was going through uh, wife, which is the, 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 the purpose of the church, worship, instruction, fellowship, and expression of spiritual gifts. That's the, that's the purpose of the church. That's why we're, we're here together. And it doesn't happen apart from getting together. So let's go to the very last section, verse 38. God's got this. Okay. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any, anything else in creation. Paul covers it. Start to finish, beginning to end, top to bottom, left to right, east to west, north to south, the whole deal. Nothing will be able to uh, separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, when the car breaks down, when your kids make a mistake, when you don't get the job that you want, or you get let go from the job that you loved or needed, all those things, none of it can affect the main thing ever at all there's not enough adjectives or it can never happen nothing can separate you from the love of Christ because God's got this 
Um, so, what do we do about that? That's where we go in our lessons and how we're going to apply this. What's the point? Well, we are, we are secure in our faith in Christ. Okay? Whether we're acting on it at any one moment could be one way or the other. And that's the daily, that's the daily grind, is to get your, get your head back, okay? Because you plus God always equals a win. And it's, it, 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 it's never not going to be that. Uh, no um, alternate facts here, okay? Bad stuff happens. It's going to happen every day. And whether you need to uh, put this picture in your head of, uh, of a painting I saw one time where this incredible stor- storm's going on and there's this little bird underneath a leaf and he's just sound asleep. But there's this, all the storms going on. If that's the picture you need to put in your head when the storms of life come at you, there's, you can rest in the fact that God wins. And... Everything going on right now in this life is temporary. It's, but if you're quick to consider other believers and other circumstances, that can put it in perspective. Right? And of course, God's got this. And worry is real. But so is God. I feel like I'm kind of ending on some bumper sticker theology there. Uh, you know, God wins. You know, uh, you know, worry is real, but so is God. You can come up with all the phrases and so forth like that. It's just that simple. I, 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 w- I would love to have come up with some grandiose, you know, example or whatever like that, but it, all of it's going to just, just pale, right? Because, you know... This concept here shook the world when Martin Luther got a hold of it and he took it to the, to the, to the masses and it created all of the Protestant church. And that's, this is what it was all about. So let's read again, okay? Let's read, starting in, in chapter... Uh, verse 1 of chapter 8, okay? With this in mind, think through this. You don't have to necessarily follow along, but think through this with me of what Paul is saying as he's leading up to this, okay? There is, there, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit has set, uh, has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that righteousness, the, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set your mind on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the spirit is life and peace. 
For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put death, uh, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is yet to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from the bondage from its bondage to uh, corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is, uh, is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, uh, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit, uh, uh, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That makes more sense, doesn't it now? Okay. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be, uh, be the firstborn among the brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called and the and those whom he called, he justified. And those he, who he justified, he glorified. All right, here we go. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is condemned? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who, who at the right hand of God, who intercedes, uh, who indeed is interceding for, uh, for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, we will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're good. And that's it. So that's Paul's conclusion to the first half of the book of Romans. The trouble is living in it, in it every day. So, as a fellow struggler of that same thing, that's what we need to pray about now. So pray around your tables. These are our brothers and sisters. This is fellowship. And we don't need to put up the chairs, do we? Okay. Thank you. Thank you.